Hi, friend. Hi, how's it going? So much. So much is happening. And <laughs> oh, it's just, no. We're not even going to talk about it because it's just, I'm annoyed, so. Yikes. How are you? I'm good. You know, same old, same old. I have to go back to the office on Monday full time, which is really sad. Oh. I know. Rip work from home. I know. Rip work from home, 2020 to 2021. You're a great 18 months. <laughs> Shout out to you, homie. Uh, this is my 13th reason. Um. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. If I get COVID, you all know why. The fucking government is why. It's because I have to go back to my building with 5,000 people, so. That's insane. Yeah. Everyone send your vibes, <clears throat> send your prayers, send your thoughts. Hopefully I make it. <laughs> Praying uh, for you. Thanks. Uh, well, this is Bookaholics Anonymous. I'm Alicia. And I'm Francesca. And what are you drinking today? Oh, uh, I have a gross Bud Light. It looked, it didn't look very appetizing from the color of the can, so. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't mind Bud Light. It's just like, I'm oh, having. Oh, it's purple. So I was oh, like, no, is it's that cool. like a different? Okay, okay. Yeah. It's just like, I'm having war flashbacks to college. Drinking yeah. like in a frat basement, but this was yeah. all I had. This is all my dad had in his fridge. So sometimes we have to make do with what we have. Yeah. What are you drinking? I'm drinking some Bailey's in Ooh. my Taylor Swift mug. I love that. It's so cute. Yep. I thought I'd switch it up a little bit, you know? Yeah. Any book news? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't think so. Although Sally Rooney's book just came out mm-hmm. like this last week, I think Tuesday maybe. I'm going to go pick that up. Later today, I don't know why I keep picking up them up because Homegirl hates quotation marks, as I discussed last week. <laughs> yeah. And that really grinds my gears, but I keep picking her books up thinking maybe I'll get over it. No. Spoiler alert, I'm not going to get over it, so I don't know why I waste my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. But, Do you want to uh, hop, hop, skip, jump into today's episode? Yeah, this will be a short-ass intro. Let's go. Yeah. Trigger warning, this episode includes mentions of suicide, murder, and potentially incest. Okay. So this week, we read, well, I read The Turnout by Megan Abbott. Don't think I've heard of that one. It just came out at the beginning of August. And I've been not gonna lie, my dyslexia and dumb memory kicked in, and I thought it was a book by Meg Cabot. I literally, when you said that, was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I recognize that name, but it's okay, because it was an interesting book for sure. Today's story follows two sisters, Dara and Marie Durant, and Dara's husband, Charlie. Together, the three of them run a well-established ballet studio. That's triggering. Yeah. Oh, uh, <clears throat> Yeah. yeah. It's for triggering for Francesca, I'm saying. Again, this is just bringing back all the war flashbacks. Trauma! (laughs) To my own experience with ballet, which I will talk about during this. But So Dara, being a bit more sophisticated, trains the older students. While Marie, she's a bit more childlike and innocent, so she trains the younger ones. And Charlie, because of years of dance injuries... He no longer dances, and instead he takes care of, like, the business end of the studio. Mm-hmm. This long-established studio was once run by the girl's mother, 
but was passed to the girls after their parents died in a car accident nearly 12 years before, I think. So the girls were homeschooled basically their entire lives, and they spent most of their time with their mother in the dance studio, and they really only had each other. Dara alludes to throughout the book having memories of being in their bunk bed and without mincing words, masturbating at the same time as children. What? Like, what? They had, like, it was, their mother always referred to it as we three, because there was always three of them. And so her and, and Marie got very close. Wow. Okay. And Charlie was their mother's prize student. He came to live with the family when he was 11, after his mother had to move to England to help, like, take care of a family member. And the girl's mother wanted him to continue at the school, so he moved in with the family. And the author makes a point of saying, while the sisters are very similar, there are also little differences about them. Dara has the beautiful long neck, while Marie has the long legs. Dara was dark, while Marie was light. Dara and Charlie were planners, while Marie was kind of always ready to bolt. And a little flighty. Mm -hmm. But it was always just the three of them. So presently, Dara and Charlie still live in the family home. Marie has begun living in the attic of the studio after having moved out of the house eight months earlier. At work, it's the day of the casting announcements for The Nutcracker. (laughs) The author calls The Nutcracker a necessary evil, and I felt that in my bones. (laughs) Like, I was having my own memories of doing this, because the way that they run their, in the book, they run their Nutcracker is they partner up with another studio, Mm-hmm. And when my studio did it, we partnered up with two others. And it was so many. I like, I remember being at the studio until like 11 o'clock at night on like a school night. I'm going to tell you a really funny story right now. You're going to laugh like really oh, hard. Boy. So <laughs> there's a part with the sugar plum princess. And obviously, well, not obviously, I was a dancer until I was about 13, 14, maybe 15. I don't really remember. Um, but <laughs> it was very like trauma blackout um (laughs) but um i did it i think the nutcracker i think we did when i was maybe eight or nine and so obviously i wasn't old enough to be like the sugar plum princess even my oldest sister wasn't so my oldest sister was a dancing bear like she was um love that yeah and then my middle sister and i we were dancing toy soldiers and we still have this on video, which is so funny. But we did two performances on a Saturday. We did the matinee. And then that night, the performance would be recorded and sold. And the matinee went off without a hitch. It was great. And that nighttime performance. So part of being a toy soldier was you had to march across the front of the stage in front of literally the foreground. <laughs> like right. the first thing you see. So at this point... Gabby, my middle sister, is still taller than me, and we're in the back racing to get changed, and we accidentally swap pants. So in the video, you can see me leading the toy soldiers, and Gabby, at the the background, like the last one, her pants up to like her mid calf, me holding holding like the salute, trying to pull my pants up as I walk across the stage. Oh Oh my gosh. My God. It was so funny. It was like, 
because the show that we did was like a combination of like the Nutcracker and the Grinch Stole Christmas. So like we did different scenes from each. It was right. like a weird LSD trip to do. Um, <laughs> but I'll tell more stories about it later on when it's relevant. It's but that's just so what made me think of it. It's so interesting. The dichotomy between like ballet and like I did tap and jazz. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it wasn't like... I never went to a Nutcracker. I've actually never seen the Nutcracker. And we oh didn't do my any, god, like... it's so beautiful. I love to watch ballet. I love dance movies. Oh my gosh, uh, Dance Academy? Yes, watch that in college. Oh, so good. But yeah, so uh, it's so interesting. Because like, tap is just like... At least how I did tap, it was just like, yeah, whatever. We're just The we're ADHD just in me loved tap. The noises, the, the fast movement, loved that. I can imagine. But we'll talk about more of my dance experience, not now. Dance trauma. So getting to the studio, Dara is met with Marie in her own studio, breaking in new point shoes with a hammer. Right. Which is, you really are not, no. You never take like a hammer to point shoes. The author kind of goes into a long rant, not rant, but explanation of how to break in new point shoes and what different techniques are. You know, sometimes it's cutting up the the point of the shoe. Sometimes it's taking a lighter to it to get more traction. And when I tell you the worst part of the whole process, at least for me, was uh, sewing the laces on to your ballet shoes. Because at that point in my life, I was not good at sewing. I'm still not good at sewing. <laughs> so they were like flimsy as fuck. And I'd always get yelled at for it. But it's really important that you do it properly because if you don't, it could really lead to like some serious injuries. Now for me, I personally never got to point. And now, knowing what we know about my ankles now. Oh my gosh. If oh my gosh. I had gotten wow. on point at that age... Who fucking knows what would have happened? Francesca wouldn't have ankles right now. (laughs) I would not have feet. And my doctor even said to me the first time I fell, he's like, the years of dance probably prolonged this from happening because it strengthened my feet. Mm -hmm. But if I had gotten on point, I was, my ankles were never going to be strong enough for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. And you usually get to point around nine or 10 years old, give or take, depending on the studio. But I never got to that level because I left my studio. Like I said, the author really weaves the structure of ballet into the story with some really beautiful prose throughout the book. But we don't have time to analyze all of that. So just remember (laughs) that this is set in a ballet studio. I'm not really going to mention like, I'm going to talk about ballet, but it's not going to be like to the extent that it's mentioned in the book. Keep that in mind. So Dara posts the cast list at the end of the day, which is like the smartest fucking thing you can do because... For obvious reasons. And Bailey Bloom receives the part of Clara, much to the chagrin of her classmates. And they do some pretty heinous shit to her throughout the book. I'll just tell you this now. So throughout the book, she gets pins and like razor blades put in her point shoes because they're all jealous little shits, you know? And she's a teenager, correct? I think she's like 13 or 14. Teenagers are fucking mean, bro. Especially competitive dancers. (laughs) Competitive teenage girls, period, are ruthless. The, also, the description of a dancer's feet literally made me gag because it was just a little too, too real, you know? 
Dara and Charlie get ready to leave. They invite Marie over for dinner, but she declines. We learn that Charlie and Dara almost left. They almost moved out. They almost moved away, but they didn't. And we find out why later on in the book. So that night, Dara and Charlie are planning the schedule for the Nutcracker from rehearsal all the way through to the final performance. And that is like the most intense (laughs) time during like the season. Like Christmas season is like rehearsals for the Nutcracker. Right. And they like plan everything. If a student gets sick, if there's like a fucking tornado that rips through and like, like they plan for every scenario. So it's really weird for Dara to be doing this without Marie for the first time. And like throughout the book, we get memories. We don't get flashbacks. This whole book is from Dara's point of view, but it's in third person, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like a limited uh, third point of third person point of view then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get a memory from their childhood and I thought this was really like a beautiful way of putting it. When describing their mother's feet, their father Mm -hmm. used to say she had feet like a day laborer's hands. And I feel like that's just the perfect way to describe a ballet dancer's feet if you've never seen what they look like before. They are disgusting, hard and calloused and blisters and some don't have nails like it's it's brutal out here so we find out that charlie and dara were each other's first at 14 14 yeah and it's in their basement studio in front of like at home in front of this mounted mirror on the wall which sweet baby jesus are you kidding so my house and our basement we have like a drop ceiling for all of like the ducts and like electrical lines and things like that. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, when my parents were like renovating our house, my mom put up a big mirror in our basement that she wanted us to use for practice and things like that. Right. But I never got to really utilize it because I shot into fucking six feet. And right. when I go into my basement, I have to duck my head. Right. So I can never really use our basement quote-unquote studio because I was too goddamn tall. (laughs) Love it. Which was too real. So Marie was very mad at Dara for this when she found out and ended up telling their mother. (gasps) Their mother later confided in Dara that had it happened with Marie, she would have been worried. But since it was Dara, she wasn't. Wow, what a great mom. Yeah. So a year after the car accident, Charlie and Dara get married. And they promised oh. Marie she can live with them forever. Yeah, let me tell you, my brother is not living with me forever. I oh, absolutely not. <laughs> to be quite honest, though, I live at home right now. And if my sister and her husband gave me the option to move in with them, I would take it. Get me the fuck out of my parents' house. <laughs> That's good. Goodbye. So that night, a fire breaks out at the studio. It's caused by an old space heater that Marie had been using while living in the attic. And sometimes when it gets really cold at night, she would sleep in her studio. You can tell that there's some deep tension between Charlie and Marie, not just between Dara and Marie. Like there's between all three of them. Right. The fire is contained to Studio B and has just spread a little bit to the back room, but not like a lot. It's mostly contained in that one studio. Right. And the three assure the students the show will go on. So they meet with contractor Derek who Charlie says was recommended by Mrs. Bloom, Bailey's mother, who's playing Clara. Dara insists that Marie be there to meet Derek, since she said it's her fault that the fire started in the first fucking place. 
Which is fair. Which, true. Yeah. So he tells them that he can do the quick fix. You know, get the walls up, get the floor ready, all that. But suggests they think bigger and more grand. Something they're definitely hesitant to do. And as he continues the inspection of the studio, he suggests taking out the spiral staircase in the office that leads up to the attic. And Dara insists that it stays because it's something that her mother loved. Okay. On his way out, Derek says, asks, like, who makes the final decision with this? And Marie speaks up for the first time since he walked in and says, she does. Like, ma'am, you're the one that caused all of this. Yeah, ma'am. Sit down. Sit the fuck down. So Dara weighs the idea of going bigger, as Derek put it. Thinks it might be good for business if they do that. She also thinks that it'll be good for Charlie to give him something beyond just doing the business side. Right. Later on, Dara hears a conversation between Charlie and Marie with Charlie saying, it's time, it's time for something, trying to convince Marie to move forward with the renovations. So the next morning, Charlie and Dara arrive at the studio to find Marie in her studio space with all of the renovation plans and like reviewing it. She ultimately agrees to the renovations. While celebrating, Dara asks why Marie is so happy because this is all her fucking fault. And Marie says, just remember, you're the one that invited him in. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Why do we gotta be so fucking ominous? Oh, that's the whole time. The whole time. I'm just like, why is this so suspicious? I don't trust this bitch. They arrive the next morning to the crew starting work and Dara is very surprised when Marie turns around and has bright red lipstick on. Something she never wears. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. So Dara tries to continue on with work as normal as possible with a renovation right next door. And at the end of the day, she's working with the kids on the Nutcracker. And Marie takes it upon herself to teach them the sword fighting scene. Showing them how she can swallow the cardboard sword. Ma'am. <laughs> Everyone seems intrigued. And Dara even sees Derek stop to watch. By the end of the night, she just wants to go home and she goes to the office to find Charlie signing documents with Derek. And this is when we find out that Dara and Charlie own the building the studio was in. Okay. And that Derek is a bit of a property connoisseur himself. Of course. When they get home, they discuss that maybe Marie has a crush and Charlie suggests that she might just be lonely. Well, duh. So Dara is starting to get frustrated with the lack of progress with the renovation. How long has it been? It doesn't really, like, okay. specify. Like, curious. there's, like, little bits of t- points where she mentions, but, like, mm-hmm. here they don't. Mm-hmm. And everything Derek does now is starting to bother her. Yep. <laughs> mood. That's a mood. While watching rehearsals for the Nutcracker, Derek presents Dara with more paperwork, which is suspicious. And she even says, I thought we were done with this, but agrees to give it to Charlie as he's the one that takes care of these things. Charlie agrees to talk to Derek about putting up, like, a makeshift wall to kind of separate the construction from the other studios, which I feel like any professional would do in the first place, but okay. Marie tells Dara that she has a really hard time talking to Derek, and it's pretty clear that she has a crush. So they talk more about Charlie's several injuries and surgeries and that he's constantly in and out of physical therapy. He's had surgery on his spine Mm -hmm. and even suffered from, like, the hangman's fracture to his spine which is like something that's actually pretty common in ballet (laughs) unfortunately especially in men this is a lovely sport i'm 100 gonna be one of those dance moms that makes her kids 
do it because I never <laughs> followed through with it. I love it. Oh my gosh. That night, Charlie has a really bad back spasm to the point where the next morning, Dara has to like dress him because he can't like move. So Dara talks about her childhood and she basically saw signs of abuse between her parents, but they always blamed it on something like, oh, it was the cat that scratched me. Oh, like I walked into a doorknob, like that kind of thing. Right. And Marie would always cry when she'd see her mother's face like with like a scratch or like a bruise. And her mom would always say it's not worth it to cry over this. But the next day, Charlie stays home from the studio because he's just in a lot of pain. And Dara walks into Derek and Marie having sex in the construction zone. Ma'am, that is dangerous. Mm-hmm. They don't see her, but she sees them. Kind oh of thing. Oh my goodness. The audacity of people. <laughs> she tries to go about her day like she didn't see what she saw. But it's just so baffled by what her that her sister would let that happen in the first place. I'd be like, my eyes! <laughs> the therapy. <laughs> therapy the first call I would make is to Shannon. I was going to say, hello, Shannon. Shannon, I just saw something I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> so while teaching, Derek appears with more paperwork. This time, Dara catches the title on one of them, and it says, Assignment of Benefits, which feels weird. Feels yeah. wrong. Yeah. She calls Charlie later on to complain about how frequently Derek is there and how she doesn't like him constantly around. Which, like, okay, if you want the job to get done, you need the contractor there. But at the same time, he doesn't do shit. So, like, I get it. So the next day, Dara runs into Marie at the studio and notices some yellowing bruises on her collarbone. And being a dancer, Dara knows it takes longer for bruises to get to that stage of healing. Mm-hmm. And that's when she realizes that what's been going on between Marie and Derek has been going on longer than she was aware of. Right. And that's when we find out that it started three days earlier. And Marie tells her more than Dara wants to know. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Like, way more. And it's just something about the whole situation just feels off. Dara heads to the back office and sees Charlie handling Marie's new scarf. And before Marie can stop her, Dara pulls off her scarf to admire it. Mm-hmm. Beneath are hickeys just covering her neck. Ugh. And Dara... Yeah, you're a grown adult. Exactly. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. So Dara thinks the whole thing with the scarf is just another way for Marie to draw attention to herself. And, I, and it kind of just makes her roll her eyes. Like, of course... And this is when Charlie finds out that Marie and Derek are hooking up, which he's kind of like, there's not much we can do about it. She's a grown fucking woman, which is true. Right. Later on, Dara and Marie are talking about the situation again. And Marie admits she was a virgin before Derek. And <gasps> she thinks she might be in love. Oh, no. Sweet baby girl. I hate men. The next day during Dara's class, a bunch of five-year-olds come into her studio and she Aww. asks them why they aren't in class. Because, again, this is Marie's area. And they say it's because Marie is nowhere to be found. And Derek is nowhere to be found. Dara runs into the back office and puts her hand on the railing of the staircase. And she can feel it vibrating. Stop. And and she herself is vibrating with anger. Thinking about the (laughs) two of them up there in their mother's most sacred place in the middle of class having sex. 
So Charlie and Dara talk about why it bothers her so much. And she admits it's because Marie is making such a spectacle of herself and she doesn't like that. The therapy that these two women need, Mm -hmm. it's immense. (laughs) Later on in the day, a fuse box blows and the studio loses power. While fixing the box, Dara overhears the electrician say to Derek, Are you sure that you coded this place properly for construction? Oh, no. Dara starts to smell something weird and goes into the back office to see Marie's scarf singeing on the old radiator. Dara's like, wow, she's really going to burn this place to the ground. Yeah. And then she has a memory as she's standing there of coming back to the studio to tell her mom she got a part in the local production of The Nutcracker. And as she comes up the stairs to the attic, she sees her mom cheating on her dad. Wow. Therapy for everyone in this book. Just wait. So later on, it's raining and they've been keeping the windows open to, you know, get rid of the construction, like sawdust and things like that, just to keep airflow. So Dara decides it's time they have to close the windows because some of the dancers have been slipping on the water that's been coming through. Right. She goes into the construction area to tell Derek to close them, but he's not there. And she looks at her, his workers and is like, what the fuck is going on? So she's like, what the fuck's going on? And they tell her that they accidentally shipped the subfloor to the Durant house instead of the studio. So Derek and another employee went to go retrieve it. And she's pissed because that's another half day of work they're paying for that they're not doing anything. And they still haven't gotten anything from the insurance company, which is also sus. So she runs into Derek outside and he starts complimenting her house and how big it is and asking if she and Charlie ever considered selling it. And she's like, absolutely not. I don't want to sell. Get the fuck out of my face. Right. And Derek leaves without saying goodbye to Marie, which upsets her immensely. Girl. The next morning, Dara shows up to the office. She is shocked to see that Marie has dyed her hair platinum blonde. Wow. Okay. They continue the rehearsals for the Nutcracker. And Dara goes into the back office to talk to Marie and finds her looking at car catalogs which is like very suspicious. The reason she was going back to talk to Marie was because the two of them have very different styles of teaching. Because Mm -hmm. Marie is working with younger girls, she'll correct them by like physically fixing their hands or they're contorting their bodies. Whereas Dara shows her students how to do it. She doesn't physically touch them. Right. Because she's working with older students. And during the rehearsals, Marie went up to two of the teenage boys and like corrected their hips with her hands. And Dara was like, that's so immensely inappropriate. You cannot do that, which is true. You really shouldn't be touching a dancer's body. And that's also part of like the learning process is to fix it yourself. Right. And so that's why she went into the back and she sees her looking at these car catalogs and she's like, what the fuck? So Dara's had like enough of how long this renovation is taking. Yeah. And she goes to confront Derek And it's like, I'm not even standing on real floors. And it's literally been weeks. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. And Derek is like, oh, well, you know, you have an old house. You get how these buildings are never up to code. And he just comes off like really smug. And Dara says, you may have my sisters fooled, but I see right through you. (laughs) Yes, queen. So the temperature basically drops overnight. And now we are 26 days out from the first performance of The Nutcracker. And the studio is nowhere near where it needs to be. And parents are starting to complain that their kids are inhaling toxic fumes. 
and they're just very annoyed and upset. So when they get to the studio the next morning, Derek passes a comment about how high their heating bills must be at home. And like, again, bringing up the fucking house. It's weird. Yeah. It's very bizarre. And he and Marie are getting really cozy at this point. He's been staying over at overnight at the studio with Marie some nights, like coming down the stairs with like a toothbrush in his mouth or putting on a shirt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm, and I they don't like that. S- they still haven't heard anything from the insurance company. That's... Like, okay, so, I mean, insurance companies do take a long time, mm-hmm. but, like, this long? I don't mm-hmm. know, Chief. I don't know about that one, Chief. The next day, as he's coming down from the attic, Derek mentions how Marie told him that they all grew up in that house. Dara mentions that Charlie also grew up there, too. And Derek says he had a hard time believing Charlie was her husband the first time he met her. Which is like, don't be fucking what? rude. How about that? Yeah, literally. He also says that Marie told him Dara wanted her to leave. And Dara was like, no, she left on her own. So now there's a fucking flood. Right. One of the construction workers accidentally put a nail through one of the plumbing pipes and flooded Studio B. (sighs) Jesus. And Charlie's finally seen the light that they made a mistake hiring Derek. And he tells Derek, we don't have the money to cover this. What, like, you, what the fuck? And Derek is like, no, no, I'll front the money to pay for this with my insurance. Oh, you fucking better. And they can't really fire him now because it's so close to the start of the Nutcracker. They don't have time to interview new contractors, so they kind of just have to go with it. During rehearsals, Dara hears a scream come from the changing room, and Bailey, playing Clara, opened her locker and found a dead rat inside. Oh my gosh, what the fuck? Now, it could have been from the flood, which is what Dara thinks. But Charlie says she's also been getting picked on since her casting, so it could have been one of the other girls to put it there. Right. So later that night, as she's leaving the studio, Dara sees a woman, like, suspiciously scurrying up to Derek's truck. And she thought it might have been one of the other moms, which she thinks is weird. And then she realizes it's Mrs. Bloom, Bailey's mother. Wow. She had stopped coming to practices and things like that because of the construction, and she had also dyed her hair platinum blonde, just like Marie. Okay. Sir, I don't like you. You're giving me bad vibes. She watches Mrs. Bloom put something under Derek's windshield and then run away. I'd be taking that shit and looking at it. She goes home and tells Charlie what she saw and how bizarre it was that she was showing up at night to do something like that and Charlie's, like, very dismissive of it. And is like, a lot of people owe him money. That's probably what it was about. Mm, but was it, though? So, Charlie and Dara arrive at the studio to see this obnoxious, bright orange luxury car in the driveway. And realize that it's Marie's. Interesting. Parents have started complaining about the fees associated with the Nutcracker. One even suggesting that they should pay on a sliding scale based on their child's role. What? What? Sir. What the fuck? So Charlie mentions to Dara that Mrs. Bloom has yet to pay, and Dara immediately offers to call. She wants to know what the fuck's going on. Mood, me too. Right. She tries both her cell phone and the house phone and gets the message that both numbers have been disconnected. When she finally gets a hold of Mrs. Bloom, she says she apologizes and that they've been having some renovations on their house and they're kind of in money trouble because of it 
And Dara's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I know. We're using the same guy you recommended, but we need your payments. And you also missed the last billing cycle for classes. Shit. Mrs. Bloom Deep. sounds very distracted and distraught and asks if it's true that Marie has also gone blonde. She then warns Dara that when he has something he wants, he won't let him let it go until he has it. I don't like this. Later on, Dara asks Marie why she bought the car. She accuses Marie of buying it because Derek told her to. Marie says it was time that she owned it. It's something people do that, you know, they buy cars and they move away. And Dara's like, yeah, but most people don't come back and live in the attic like a rat. (laughs) Oh, okay. And Marie was like, you're the one with the house. And Dara's like, why are you bringing up the house again? Like, what is going on? Sounds like someone is a little salty. So we find out that Marie, after her parents' accident, decided she just wanted to leave and go and see the world. Mm -hmm. And only to come back three weeks later. And we also find out that's how Dara and Charlie ended up owning the house, is that they bought Marie out of her share of the house. Right. So it's technically Charlie and Dara's house. Right. And Dara begins to wonder why she's so interested in the house now. Because Derek's interested in the house. Yeah. And when she's the one that moved away right after coming back like why is she asking questions so dara goes down into the basement to find the old paper mache nutcracker head that they used to use for the performances and when she's down there she finds one of her mother's old blankets and she has some memories about it right which like i'm not gonna get into because it's just like i don't really remember tbh when she finds the nutcracker head she goes to bring it upstairs and almost slips on the fur blanket, which is, like, such a me thing to do. That is. It's very you. Annoyed, she kicks it away into the far corner near the furnace as she runs up the stairs. Which, homegirl, if that is not foreshadowing. Yeah. While she's upstairs, she's walking past the front window and sees this orange car drive up. And the writer describes it as, like, an Elmer's glue top orange, which is, like, oh. so ugly, but, like, such a distinct color. It is a very distinct color. Wow, that is quite the orange. She thinks it might be Marie coming home, and she's almost kind of filled with, like, this sense of dread. But she can see, as a car speeds away, behind the wheel is Derek. Dara tells Charlie she saw Derek watching them. Charlie says he thinks he's actually looking at the house because Derek has been asking Charlie questions, like, about the house, and Charlie doesn't didn't think much of it at the time because it's the field he works in, but now he's, like, suspicious. Right. Charlie tells her that someone had called for her before about the house and that they were from the city. He doesn't remember their name, but the number he wrote down is at the studio. And I just said here, I feel like this is all set up for Marie and Derek as the bad guys. And she's going to pull a 180 and it's going to be like Mrs. Bloom or something. So Dara tries to call the number that Charlie wrote down, but is just met with a message that the inbox is full. So she runs into Derek, who she calls out for watching the house. He cops to it and is like, yeah, you know, I'm just interested in your house. Like, she's like, uh, and like interesting in partnering up and like renovating it. And she's like, we have no interest in you having interest in our house. Leave us the fuck alone. So Derek is like, well, I'm a property owner. I have a vested interest in keeping my eye on the properties in the area. Stop, please. He starts going on and on about the renovations he could make to the house and about like the interior, which is weird. And even Dara is like, how do you know that stuff about the inside of my house? Okay, I have a theory. Okay. I think this theory is wrong, though. Okay. I feel like Charlie and Derek are, like, somehow in cahoots. And that's my theory. No comment, but... 
Mm-hmm. I obviously can't. Like, I can't tell you if you're right or wrong. Well, yeah, but like that's the theory because okay. like, Charlie is like super sus to me right now because he's just like there. Mm-hmm. And Derek is annoying. I can't fucking stand this man. Like the audacity to be like, yeah, you know, I do this in your house, sir. Sir, <laughs> the fuck, you get backhanded so quick. So he says that it's just from what Marie has told him, and he just keeps going on and on about how he'd change it. And she's like, if you think we're ever gonna fucking work with you again, you're a fucking idiot. Facts. And Derek was like, there's only room for three in that marriage, and that kind of like throws Dara off. What? (laughs) Yeah. So Dara goes into the back office and finds Marie sitting at the windowsill smoking. She asks why Derek was in her car. And Marie is like, my car is his car. And she asks Marie why she's doing this. Why is he idling outside their house this morning? Which seems to genuinely surprise Marie. She like asks Marie what she's told Derek about the house. And Marie's like, I tell him everything. Oh my gosh, this woman is so stupid. And I was like, why do you, what do you want with the house? Like, I don't. And Dara asks her, like, what do you want with the house? You don't even want it. Like, you have the money. Like, what are you doing? And Marie just gives her, like, this smug smile. And Dara grabs her by her face and, like, squeezes her cheeks. Which scares the shit out of Marie because it's something their mom used to do. Not often, but... enough that they didn't forget so dara grabs her by her face and basically tells her she's lucky she doesn't throw marie out uh, down the stairs of the attic and out of the studio that because of dara she has nothing and she will be nothing without dara so later on at night at home we find out that they haven't why they haven't been getting the insurance checks that uh-huh. Charlie called to find out what was going on, only to find out that one of the documents Charlie signed called the assignment of benefits. Yes. He signed over all of the insurance money to Derek. What the fuck? So basically, it's going straight into Derek's pocket. Charlie was obviously very upset that he let this happen. And mm-hmm. the insurance company calls and they insist they'll be able to change it that they'll be able to start getting payments and they'll be able to get like a record of all of the payments that were made to Derek, but it will take some time. Dara says that things are escalating and she could see on Charlie's face. He could see it too. So Dara finally gets a return call from that number Charlie had gotten. And it's the County Register's office returning a call to Marie saying that she's still technically on the deed to the house as well as Dara. And if she wants to transfer the deed, all she has to do is file a quick claim. What? So Dara's like, hold up. This is Dara, not Marie. What the fuck do you mean she's asking about the deed? She should not be on it anymore. What is going on? The woman on the other line is like, I can't give you answers to those questions. The woman is like, we can't get involved in family disputes, but you might want to talk to your sister. And then the woman pauses and is like, or maybe your attorney. So Marie and Dara head to the Ballinger Center, which is where they're holding the Nutcracker. Mm Mm-hmm. Dara has a flashback to going there as a child for the circus and how Marie was always curious about the sword swallower while Dara always preferred the fire eater, which I feel like is a little foreboding and maybe there's an illusion or like metaphor there, but we don't have time for that. Yeah. So they meet with Madam Sylvie who took over guardianship of them when their parents died. She runs Uh the other studio that they partner with. Okay. We also find out that Charlie and Dara got married when they were 16, which I didn't even realize. 
what because madam sylvie was the one that signed like the consent to let it happen okay wow just yikes i can't so they talk like they go into like talking about how important it is to like sweep up the fake snow on the ground and like make sure all the bobby pins are off the floor during performances because like that's also a hazard for dancers yeah and going back to my own experience with the nutcracker they we got the dance dads aka like the dads of the dancers um to do that and we all thought it would be really funny if they all wore like bermuda shorts and like trot like hawaiian shirts and then like santa hats yeah and like came out on stage and like swept up and my dad was one of them and he comes out in his fucking Hawaiian shirt and pulls out cigars and walks around to the other dads and hands them out. And they all like oh cheers gosh, their cigars boring. and then just keep sweeping. It was so funny. Like oh walk, watching the, watching it back was fucking hilarious. Oh my Lord. I can't. That's so, that's. That's typical. such a frank thing to do. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so Dara sits with Madame Sylvie to watch parts of the rehearsal while Marie sits two rows ahead, taking notes and not really interacting with them. They get her around 10 o'clock, and all Dara wants to do is to get Marie alone and find out why she called the county register's office. By the time Dara gets out of the rehearsal and she rushes to the lobby, Marie's already in her car halfway down the street. So Dara gets home to find out that Charlie has gone to a physical therapy appointment. So she goes inside and pours herself a glass of wine and is, like, getting ready to go upstairs and go to bed. Mm-hmm. On her way up the stairs, she notices a muddy footprint on the carpet. And then another, and then another, going towards her childhood bedroom. With the door open, which is odd, because she never leaves that door open. Right. And there are tracks leading in, but none leading out. So he's literally in the house right now. If you haven't figured it out, she knows that Derek is in the house. Okay. Right. Yeah. So she calls out asking who's there and basically reveal yourself. And Derek appears. He says, sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I would literally leave. It's so nice to see the inside after all Marie has said about it. And she's like, what are you doing in my house? What the (laughs) fuck is going on? And he's like, oh, I thought Charlie would be home. I wanted to talk to him about my ideas for the house. And... Like, Dara's like, get it through your head. We don't want you anywhere near our house. And she's like, you need to leave now before I have you arrested for trespassing. And he's like, it's only trespassing if you weren't given a key. (gasps) Marie gave him a key. He says that Marie wanted him to give an outside perspective, given how she lost it. Like, how she lost the house. And again... Dara's like, you don't know what you're talking about. And he says he only knows what Marie told him. And it sounds like to him, she was in a very vulnerable state when they took advantage of her. And she's like, you need to GTFO. And on his way out, he tells a very intimate story about when he, him and his brothers had their own bunk beds when they were kids. And it mirrors that story of her and Marie when they used to masturbate at the same time. What the fuck? Yeah. And Dara's like, oh my god, she really has told him everything. This dumb bitch. And she's like, what the fuck? So she realizes, like, when they're in this, the rehearsal, she had told Madame Sylvie that Charlie wasn't coming, that 
she noticed Marie's head kind of like twitch, almost like she was expecting them both to come. And mm-hmm. that's why she gave Derek the key. Mm-hmm. Was because she was expecting them both to be gone. Mm-hmm. For Derek to go into the house while they're like, it's empty. Which is like, right. what the fuck? So Charlie comes home and is so alarmed that Derek was inside. They talk about firing him the next day and Charlie says he has to think about it, which is like, what is there to think about? Get the There's fuck out of him. There's nothing to think about. Dara waits for him to come to bed and when he doesn't, she goes downstairs to find him sitting at the kitchen table. He looks very upset and he says he's figured out what's going on, that Derek has hypnotized her. Like, actually hypnotized her, not like metaphorically what? hypnotized her. Oh my gosh. And he says the only way to break it is to get her to a shrink. And Dara's like, okay, we can do that, but, like, let's sit up. He's, like, hunched over, which is really bad for his back. And she's like, just sit up. Like, he's very distraught. So she's trying to, like, be like, okay, okay, like, calm down. Fix How do yourself. you come to the conclusion that they're hypnotized? Like, that would be the last conclusion that I would ever come to. <laughs> and Charlie says, maybe we're the ones that hypnoti- are hypnotized. Maybe it's us. It's, it was very weird. Right? Yeah, very. Yeah. So Charlie and Dara go to the studio in the middle of the night to confront the two of them because they are just beside themselves with like confusion and anger. Right. And Derek comes barreling down the spiral staircase and they have like one of those bill holders on their, their desk that like you stab through it when you're like done with the bill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he picks up the bill holder and is like spinning it between his fingers and asks oh, what's going on. Don't like this. As Marie follows him down the stairs. Marie kind of like backs herself into a corner and is like very quiet. And Dara's like, how could you think we were just going to hand over the family home to him? Like, how could you think we'd do that? And Marie couldn't even like finish getting a sentence out before Derek like lifted up his hand to stop her from speaking. And Derek says he's offering one last time to partner up and renovate the house to make it basically like the hub of their business. And it is appealing to Charlie. Charlie's like, she doesn't have a say. She sold her share of the houses. And Derek's like, well, she's a decision maker, right? Which is like a callback to the first time they met. Mm -hmm. And Derek's like, are you sure about that? Because according to the county register, there's been no transfer of title or anything like that. Are these people stupid? Like, and she's like, oh, you mean you called in your attempt to defraud us of our own home? So it was really him. Obviously, it was really him that called. Right. And Charlie tells Derek he needs to leave. And Derek's like, I've read all about this undue influence and taking advantage of someone who is not in a good mental space. And like, he thinks that will be like enough to get Marie the house back. Interesting, because they both had a... Uh, her, their mom died so like mm-hmm. and Dara is like I'm sure you know all about undue influence miss thing like mm. and Marie kind of folds in on herself and is like they're doing it again they're doing it again and Charlie's like what are we doing and he tries to go and like actually have like an emotional conversation with her and like he reaches out for Marie's outstretched hand but Derek swoops in and grabs her hand and Derek says you don't talk to her. You talk to me. I think we need to set up some sort of reparation for a little for what little money you paid her. You owe her. And Marie's like, no, no, that's not what I want. It took me 30 years to get out of that house. I don't want it. And Marie's like, I'm going to be sick. And she runs upstairs to throw up. 
Dara following her upstairs. So Marie right. keeps apologizing, saying she didn't know how bad it was. She didn't realize. And downstairs, Charlie and Derek are still going at it. They're arguing. And Derek's like, I, uh, saying like they both have a vested interest in the house because they're both involved with the women on the deed. And Charlie's like, that's my wife. And Marie is like my sister. You're not in, like, this isn't, no, you're not involved. fucking weird. And Derek is like, oh, I know, oh, yeah, I know how close you three really are, like, real close. Marie tries to stop Derek from talking, and Dara's trying to pull Charlie back. And Marie's like, let's just go upstairs, let's go, like, come on. And Derek's like, I've heard things, like, you three have shared more than just a house. Like, you shared a bed. And Marie begs Derek to just come upstairs to stop talking. And Derek's like, all right, sure. But he keeps running his mouth as he goes up the stairs, basically implying that they're like a throuple. And Charlie's like, I know all about you, too. I know you were in the war and like what you saw and did or something like that. It really wasn't like Charlie. You really didn't know anything. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Um. And Derek asks Dara if she gave Charlie to Marie to keep her there or if she gave Marie to Charlie to keep him there. And that's when Charlie charges at Derek. Now, I don't think I gave a description of Derek in the beginning, but he's like this big, burly construction worker. Dara compares him to like a primate in that like he's so big. Whereas Uh Charlie has like the body of a male dancer. dancer. Yeah. Very slender and... Leith. Yes. So the two are on the spiral staircase fighting. And I was very surprised at how well Charlie held his own. Better than I thought for a man going up against someone as burly as Derek. Right. Marie intervenes and tries to pull Derek away. And in the struggle, Derek ends up going over the railing, falling off the stairs, and hitting his head on the corner of the desk. Stop. Oh, my gosh. As the three stand over him, and he his head was like almost like impaled, basically Ugh. on the Ugh. bill holder. Yeah. So like through his eye. Ugh. So as the three stand there, Marie looks at his face and says, "He needs an eye patch," which is like a callback to the way Dalsemeyer dresses in the Nutcracker. Uh huh. So it's been eight hours since the death. Dara is collecting herself in the powder room while detectives wait to talk to her. Before, they all agreed they would tell the cops that it was an accident and that he had been alone in the studio. Dara made the plan herself, much to the relief of Charlie and Marie. Right. It was better to detach themselves from the situation and that no one could know about what was going on between Marie and Charlie. Uh, too late. (laughs) So they went up to the attic and cleared it out as if Marie had never lived there, was never there. And they were going to take her home with them. Dara goes over to Charlie's body to look for marks of a struggle from the struggle. And just Charlie keeps saying it was an accident. It was an accident. More to like calm himself down. Mm -hmm. Dara was like, yes, it was an accident. We weren't there. Like, shut your fucking mouth. Yeah, literally. So, Marie is in quite a state afterwards. And while Dara was cleaning her up, she was getting things confused. 
talking about the fire eater as if it was the sword swallower from when they were kids. And Dara was like, you're always fucking things up. Like, you never get anything right. (laughs) (laughs) So they agreed Charlie would be the one to go and make the discovery because they couldn't trust that Marie wouldn't fuck things up. Right. And Charlie does everything right. He acts super convincing and pretending that he had just discovered the body. And he called the cops around 7 a.m. He calls Dara and is pretty convincing and like, oh my God, I just found this body. The cops are here. And then he makes all the calls to the parents. And Dara is really the only one that notices like he's struggling, even though he's pretty convincing at keeping himself composed. Right. While being questioned by the police, they ask her what the contractor would have been doing there so early and what he was doing in the back office and all these things. And she's like, oh, I don't know. We didn't really know him very well. <laughs> and at the, I was like, that is the perfect time to be like, I don't know why. Why would he be here so late? That's so strange. I don't understand right. how he even got in, making it more suspicion, suspicious on his part, right. not theirs. Right. As the medical examiner left, he said that um, they really should have torn that staircase out years ago. It's such a death trap. Again, a callback to the beginning when they first started when, working with Derek. Right. And he and, was like, oh, you should take that. You should take it out. Yeah. So one of the students admits to Dara that she was kind of afraid of Derek because he like didn't fit in. He didn't belong there. So later on that night, while she's thinking about the in- incident, she remembers the look on Charlie and Marie's face when he spoke about that possible like thruple situation. Right. And I get the feeling she thinks they were having an affair that's like what I was kind of reading from the situation. Right. Again, remember, these are my thoughts like as I'm reading it now, like I obviously know more than that. So keep that in mind. So Dara has a memory of right after her parents died. Everyone had assumed that it was their dad that was driving that night. It was the night of their 20th anniversary Mm -hmm. and they were going out to dinner and it's actually confirmed that it was her mother who was driving and it's confirmed by, partially by Charlie and also by Marie, who during the night went to the police impound to look at her parents' car and basically saw their mom's hair was like stuck in the windshield of mm-hmm. the driver's side. Mm-hmm. Her mother, who had been drinking and careened them off the side of the road. Marie is basically in no condition to be working and that's something that Dara and Charlie both agree on. Marie basically asks if they could never talk about what happened again. And Charlie's like, yeah, is that something we can do? Like, never talk about it ever again? And Dara kind of confirms it. And when she's like, talk about what? I don't know what you're talking about. So Dara pays Derek's employees and finds out that they actually hadn't been paid in weeks and are reluctant to take her money. Oh, my gosh. But one of them does say, like, you don't have to worry about us saying anything. Like, we won't say anything. And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What? Um, about, and they, he's talking about Dara and Marie. Oh, not Dara and me. Derek and Marie. Marie. And, yeah. Right. So then she finds out that Charlie had let a woman from the insurance company into the back office. And it turns out the woman, Randy, was from Derek's insurance, not from theirs. And Randy Hmm. says, normally she wouldn't do this, but she knew him personally, so she decided to just come by. Randy takes a look at the staircase, kind of putting her hand on the railing, and admits it's 
an accident waiting to happen. So Dara's like, yeah, uh-huh. Can we, like, not do this? Like, stop looking right. into this? So later on, Dara recalls a memory, the memory of her mother cheating on her father when she came by to tell her about the part in the music, or not the part in the musical, in the her part in the Nutcracker when she was 15. Uh-huh. The longer she thinks about it, she's standing, she, like, is in the moment, she's standing on the stairs to the attic, her mother is on her back with her legs spread, and there's a man between her legs. Only it's not a man. And Dara realizes that it's 15-year-old Charlie. Shut up. Oh, my gosh. The, te- the scandal. That's disgusting. Okay, wow. And as she looks back, she wonders if it, like, really happened and if that's really what she saw because she knows what she saw is, like, fucking wild. And she also wonders if maybe it was just Charlie, like, putting his head in her lap if she saw it correctly because they never talked about it after it happened. And two days later, she and Charlie began making plans to leave. Charlie wonders if it's too soon and Dara is like, no, we have to go. Two days after that, their parents had the car accident and died. So, like, was it on purpose or was it an accident? Right. And Dara thinks to herself, like, Marie tried to leave and it's so much harder than it actually is. Right. So, dress rehearsals for the Nutcracker start and Charlie is not feeling well. He's thrown his back out, basically trying to cover up the crime. So, Marie and Dara go on without him. And Charlie schedules a very, very late physical therapy appointment. Mm Mm-hmm. At rehearsals, Bailey gets uh, ends up getting locked in a closet and oh, told no. Madame Sylvie that someone blindfolded her and put her in there. And obviously, oh. Dara suspects it's one of the other girls. Right. In the middle of rehearsal, everyone is, like, whispering. And Dara gets a hold of a newspaper article that they're talking about. And it's talking about Derek's death. And the manner of death is still pending on an autopsy. And mm-hmm. Dara starts to worry. Right. As you would. Yeah. So Bailey's up on stage and she's like pushing herself because of the flock of girls that are sitting in the audience, like whispering and like, especially because right. of all of the flack that she's been getting for being casted as Clara. Mm-hmm. And Dara understands she's trying to prove a point to the other girls. Right. At one point, the lighting tech is like calls for a cut so we can like fix something. And she asks mm-hmm. Bailey if she needs a break. And Bailey's like, no, 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 I can go. I can go. And then she bends up over and vomits all over the stage. Oops. This poor sweet child. So Dara overhears one of the girls saying someone brought cookies from the deli and they had mold on them. (gasps) These girls are so mean. And I was like, bitch, really? You just outed yourself, first of all. And Dara is like, how do you know, Miss Thing? Literally. And Bailey interjects and is like, no, leave it. It's fine. And Dara is like really proud of herself for finally being able to stand up for herself. Mm hmm. And of course, as everyone's leaving for the carpool, it leaves without Bailey. So Marie of offers <laughs> Marie offers to drive her home and stop for ice cream like on the way. Before she can leave, however, Dara is surprised by an appearance from the detectives. The detectives just have a couple more questions for her. It's pretty much the same as before. And then they ask if this was the third event in the space, kind of pushing her saying, well, there was the fire. There was a flood, the employee that got hurt during the flood. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, well, that was caused by the renovations. And it was just a couple minor burns. Like, And then right. they're like, well, there was also, that, you know, the fucking fire. And she's like, yeah, that's why we hired him because of that yeah. fire. Right. And she's nervous that she's going to be exposed. And the cops are wary because this is the third incident at the location. They ask why her sister had been at the studio at 4 a.m. to report the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, because they said she was sleeping there in the report. Right. And she said, oh, well, sometimes she would camp out there if it got too late, like if she was working too late. And the cops were like, well, on the third floor, perchance. And she remembers one of her students asking if Marie was sleeping at the studio. And she's like, fuck, did we miss something? Like in covering up this crime. Right. And the detectives say basically that Randy has brought to their attention some weird things and they don't and they're just doing their due diligence. So she doesn't like show them up. Right. And one of them makes a comment that he's probably, he's been paying all those premiums for life, like this insurance, all these years, and now they're holding out on a grieving widow. Dara is basically like, who the fuck would marry this guy? Right. (laughs) Like conjuring up this image of a stripper in her head that just Mm. married him for money. And like, I just thought that was so funny that she's like, who the fuck would marry this guy? Yeah, I I would also, I too would like to know that. But now she has someone else to contend with about his death. Right. So on her way out, Dara runs into Mrs. Bloom, who's looking for Bailey. Right. And so she's like, we have to chat. We got to talk. So they go to Mrs. Bloom's house, where we mm-hmm. learn that the reason she wasn't mailing him checks was because he liked to have cash on hand. Mm-hmm. So she was like giving him cash. Right. And obviously... She was having an affair with Derek at one point. Right. And, but Mrs. Bloom feels worse because she knew Derek's wife before she knew Derek. She had been having really bad migraines when Bailey was born and was told acupuncture would be a great source of help. So one day her acupuncturist shows up at her house saying she'd found text messages on his phone and nudes of this other woman. Mm Mm-hmm. And she found out that Derek and his wife were deep in debt and they have four kids, one of which had his their own problems. And she hired him to renovate her master bathroom because of that. So Mrs. Bloom takes her upstairs to that master bathroom. Uh-huh. And it's like every little girl's dream bathroom with like the, hu- the heated floors and the big bathtub. Uh. Mrs. Bloom said he just kept thinking bigger. And Dara thinks back to when he said that when they first hired him. Right. How he worked, and by the end of the renovation, they were having an affair. Yikes. As Dara looks down in the tub, she sees this giant crack going through the middle of the tub. And Mrs. Uh Bloom says the tub leaks into the subfloor, and the caulking around the toilet leaks. And on the first day after the renovation, two tiles came off in her hand. The room. yikes. Yeah. The room has so many problems that every time you try to fix it, it would just break again. As she was leaving, Dara asked Mrs. Bloom why she would recommend Derek to the two of them. And Mrs. Bloom insists she did not recommend Derek. Huh. Interesting. So you haven't put well anything. Okay. So the, is it the hypnosis that Charlie brought up? That's what I'm thinking right now. But So Dara races over to where Mrs. Bloom told her the acupuncturist was. She finds a name on the board of, the biz- uh, of this business complex and then goes to her car and waits. Out of a cab comes Charlie, 
who she immediately recognizes, even though it's like nine o'clock at night. Right. At the entrance of the business complex is a woman opening the door and her arms. Dara is putting together that Charlie's physical therapist is Mrs. Bloom's acupuncturist is Derek's wife. Right. Dara gets out of her car to confront the two of them, but as she walks closer, she decides against it. Dara goes home and tells Marie everything. Marie says she didn't know that Derek was married, but in all honesty, that probably wouldn't have made a difference. Damn. Dara starts to think that maybe Charlie did it on purpose and that this whole thing was a plot that he cooked up with his physical therapist. And when Charlie gets home, she confronts him. Charlie says it didn't happen the way she thinks. He had started physical therapy with this woman because of the rave reviews he got from Mrs. Bloom and how she just had like magic fucking fingers apparently. And she just fixed Charlie right up. And then slowly, it wasn't about the magic fingers anymore, but the conversations that they'd have after. He learned about her family and her children. And one day he came in and found her crying because Derek had been arrested for having sex in a mall parking lot with some 26-year-old. Sir, come on. And it's been going on for a while of their 30 years of marriage. So, like, how old is this fucking woman? (laughs) Anyway. She... I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Like, yikes. And she just couldn't let him go for whatever fucking reason. Yeah, I would. Let me tell I would have dropped that sack of shit a long time ago. And Charlie kind of felt a burden to save her. After the fire, she suggested that Charlie hire her husband. And because, like, he knew about their uh, financial debt, too. And said, mm-hmm. maybe the, pol- uh, the place will burn down around him while he's working. And then Marie got involved. And the wife warned Charlie that these girls become obsessed with him. And her involvement changed things. But they plotted it and they planned. And she sounded so relieved on the phone when Charlie called her to tell her that Derek was dead. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. That's so funny. The physical therapist suggested that they don't talk to each other for a while to avoid suspicion. And Dara was like, well, you're forgetting about the money. Like, how much are you getting from this insurance payout? And Charlie's like, uh... I don't know. We never really talked about it. You fucking idiot. You moron. She tells Charlie he has to leave before she screams fire. <laughs> and uh, Charlie tells her, he's like, he never, I never asked to be here. I never asked to be brought into this house. And after everything your mom did, like, how can you like be mad? Like, how can you be mad at me for this? Which I was like, this does, has nothing to do with that, but okay. And he tells her he doesn't blame Dara, but he kept saying he wanted, we wanted to leave and then they died and we did it. And you remember we wanted to leave. So maybe if they had left, this wouldn't have happened, I think is what he's trying to imply. Right. And Marie comes into the room and tells him to leave too. And he asks, where will I go? And they're like, we don't care. Not my problem. (laughs) So Brandy, the insurance agent, calls again saying she wants to meet and talk to Marie. So Dara is like, no, no, Marie, you go to the theater. It, you are not talking to this woman. I'll deal with her. Right. So Dara goes to the studio and Randy's already there waiting, talking about how she didn't, just didn't understand why Derek would be going upstairs. How she's known him for so long and this was so unlike him. She really wants to take a look at what's upstairs that would have caught his attention. So Dara keeps trying to tell her not to go up there. It's not safe. The cops have deemed it unsafe. But Randy goes up 
the stairs anyway and lets out a blood-curdling scream. Dara follows her up the stairs and hanging from the rafters is Charlie. Shut up! Oh my gosh! The cops, they call the cops and find Charlie's note in his pocket, just one side that says guilty on it. On the other side of the paper, it said snow, which which Dara knew was Charlie's to-do list for the show, was to get more fake snow. Right. The detectives ask if there was any reason why the two of them might be arguing, Derek and and Charlie. Uh Uh-huh. Dara tells them the two of them thought Derek might have been entertaining dates in the attic, and maybe he went to confront Derek about it. Right. And it seems to all track to the detectives. She calls Marie to tell her to meet at the house and tells her about Charlie. Uh-huh. On the way out, Randy apologizes, saying, like, if she hadn't wanted to meet, she wouldn't have been the one to find Charlie's body, basically. Right. So Dara gets home and sees a minivan in her driveway. Uh-huh. Standing on her steps is Derek's wife, the widow- widower. Right. The widowmaker. Pretty much. Literally, though. <laughs> yeah. So she asks if it's true about Charlie, and she says yes. Yeah. Then she asks if Dara's going to tell the cops about her relationship with Car- with Charlie, and uh-huh. she says no. She right. asks if she can talk to Marie and maybe give her some closure, and Dara's like, absolutely not. Stay the fuck away from my sister. Facts. She asks Dara if she understands why what happened, like, happened. Mm-hmm. That she wasn't, she was in a really bad place and trying to conjure up ways to make herself feel better, and then Charlie was there, and he was just so kind. And Dara's like, okay, you need to leave. Goodbye. Like, never fucking talk to me again. Right. So that night, the two of them go up to sleep in their parents' bed. Marie starts asking about that wool blanket, looking for it. The one that she had found, uh, Dara had found in the basement. Right. And Dara has a flashback to the night after their first nutcracker with Charlie in the house. And how it was normal for most people to share a bed with their sister. And how that night they climbed into bed with their mother and Charlie to watch an old cassette tape of her mother's performance in the Nutcracker. Mm -hmm. And how strange it was that her mother had put her hand on Charlie's hand, giving her blessing at 13. There's some kind of insinuation that the three of them have some that do something sexually together that night, basically. And how confused Marie was the next morning by what happened. You find out that this is a tradition the three of them continue on special occasions after their parents die. That the three of them would have like these entanglements. And that their mother was even involved at some points. Like it was almost like her ballet. And she was the director as the author put it. That's disgusting. Okay. It seemed natural to them to do it under this blanket that fit all three of them and even fit their mother who encouraged it. So as they start to fall asleep, Dara brings up that carnival from when they were children and reminds Marie how Marie's favorite was the sword swallower and that Dara's was the fire eater. Marie tells her they were the same woman, just in different costumes. And I feel like that's an allegory or some shit, but that's a lot to unpack. I feel like that's an allegory or some shit, but that's a lot to unpack after you just read all of that. But it felt necessary yes, to include. all this twisty, turny bullshit. 
And then you also remember how Dara told her to shut the fuck up and that she was wrong after Derek died, talking about right. the fire eater and the sword swallower as the same person. Mm-hmm. But they were, so she wasn't wrong. But Dara wakes in the middle of the night to Marie pulling her out of bed as a fire engulfs the master bedroom. Mm-hmm. Dara, uh, Marie keeps telling Dara, come on, it's time, it's time. Down the hall, she pulls Dara through the front door as fire trucks around the house. Mm-hmm. The fire is put out, and the house is basically burned down the center. Like, there's no salvaging it. Right. Dara hears Marie calling her over to the fire truck where she's sitting with an oxygen mask over her face. Mm-hmm. The ga- so apparently the gas furnace, like, there was a lot in the flute that would, like, let right. the gas out. Right. And it just basically combusted and mm-hmm. started the fire. And a fireman presents the two of them with the blanket on a stick, saying he found it halfway up the stairs when the flue from the forn- fur- when the flue from the furnace basically like not like exploded but like shot air out and it right the thing went like halfway up the stairs right. Marie begins to twirl as she thinks it's starting to snow, but Dara realizes it's ash from the house. Mm-hmm. But Dara doesn't care because finally it's all over. One year later, it's the day of the first Nutcracker performance. Dara's making allegories and metaphors comparing the Nutcracker to like childhood and like adulthood. Oh but gosh. like we don't have time to unpack all of that. No. We find out that Marie left two months after Charlie died. Uh-huh. And then we also find out that she didn't buy that heinous orange car for Derek at all. But for herself and her new life. Okay. And she's also not present for this year's Nutcracker. We find out that last year's Nutcracker had been canceled because of the house fire. Understandable. And Bailey Bloom finally gets to dance at Cl- as Clara. And she, uh, Dara just marvels in the way she has grown in the last year. And how prepared she is for this role. She watches Bailey as she flies on stage and listens for the gasps of the audience at her magnificent beauty. The end. Wow. Right? <laughs> right? I... There's so much to unpack there. Yeah. Wow. When I texted you saying, I just read something and my jaw just dropped, it was figuring out the physical therapist was Derek's wife. Oh, Yeah. I knew the acupuncturist was going to be, like, it was his wife as soon as they, like, talked about it, but then... You didn't put together that was the physical therapist? No, because I didn't... I don't know. Acupuncturist and physical therapist, that doesn't, like, automatically link to me. Yeah. I don't go to physical therapy, so how would I know? Um, I think it's, like, a specialty. You can get, like, an acupuncturist license, but not, like... Right. I just figured that the two of them were the same because, like, why would you have a third character like that? Yeah, that would yeah. be a lot to um, work in at the very last. Yeah. Point. It all happens very fast at the end. And that was kind of disappointing to me. Like, I wish it 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 didn't happen like that. I wish Derek died earlier in the book. <laughs> right. It wasn't so, like, end-loaded. Yeah. But, I mean, it was phenomenally written. Um, it was be- The prose were stunning about ballet and the allegories to their right. own situations. Um but yeah, it was a lot to, like, when I got to the end and you found out that they, like, a regu- the three of them regularly were, like, having sex, I, like, That's... had to stop. <laughs> Shut the book. Stop. What? That's so fucked up. Yeah. 
Yikes. Yeah. But it was really good. I would read one of her other books, so. Did she have others? Or is yeah, this, this is, she has, oh, like, okay. a lot, apparently. Oh, okay. So, you know. Also, when she talks about, like, so the name of the book is Turnout. And for those of us that are not ballet people listening, Turnout is when you basically can, like, turn your hips fully out to, like, 180 degrees, like, ex- for full extension. And it's incredibly painful i blacked out i like blacked out when i fully had turnout but you know how i can pop my hips and like crack my hips yeah that's because of this like i can disgustingly pop my hips and crack them because of all the years of ballet my physical therapist i did it in front of him like last week and he's like what the fuck was that and i was like oh you heard that and he goes yeah and i was like oh it was my hip he's like what it's a cult. It's literally a cult, but it's such a beautiful <laughs> cult. I, I'm proud to be part of that cult. Okay, well, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Bookaholics Pod. You can find me on Instagram at Francesca Hope or on Twitter at Branch Toastics with an X. And where can they find you? You can find me on Goodreads, Alicia Reads 13, or on Storygraph, Just Alicia Reads. And we'll see you for the next one. Bye!